Do you consider yourself to be a lucky person? If so, how come you're so lucky? Is it something that you've done in your past? Is it something that you do in your everyday life? Is it an object that you carry with you? Or is it the workings of something so much larger than yourself, be it grace or fate? If you don't consider yourself to be a lucky person, why not? Is it your fault? What is that thing that we so often refer to as luck? Does it even exist? Those are the questions we're going to be exploring in this episode. We're joined by the Reverend Barry Black, the chaplain to the U.S. Senate, as well as Neha Misra, a poet, folk artist, and social innovator. Solidarity is more than just name. It's the radical idea that every story holds profound spiritual truth about the world we share. In each episode, we invite diverse and creative guests to reflect on the most important questions of our lives. So whether you're listening on your morning commute, your lunch break, or late at night, whether you're religious, spiritual, or just passionate about living a good life, we're glad to have you with us in solidarity. All right, folks, I'll be honest with you. I'm not exactly sure what I feel about luck. Now, I do believe that there are favorable things that happen to me that make me feel fortunate. For example, a couple of Fridays ago, I was on my way from work. Uh, It was a long week, and I was really looking forward to going straight home, enjoying the sun. Now, I couldn't do that because I had to handle some business uptown. Not very lucky. And on top of that, when I came outside, it had started raining and not a light drizzle but actual rain you know i had an umbrella but i just wasn't feeling lucky at the time so as i come out of the building i'm walking towards the corner and i see a a young woman standing there and you know she looked like she was well dressed and she had her jacket over her head and no umbrella and i felt like well she could probably use the umbrella way more than i could so as i walk up to this young lady and i and i say excuse me she looks up And it's a friend of mine, you know, and a fellow artist that's involved in the sanctuaries. And she's just like, oh, my gosh, Osa, oh, my goodness, you know, how are you? I'm like, hey, you know, I I just wanted to give you my umbrella. She's like, oh, really cool. You know, hey, my car is over here. Wherever you want to go, I'll take you. I'm like, wow, bet. And I just felt really lucky at the time. And so as I'm in the car and, and, you know, we're heading uptown and we're talking, I'm thinking to myself, wow. What just happened? Like, what are the odds? How did this happen? Is this luck? Am I lucky? Or is this fate? Or is this grace? It's a great story, Osa, and interesting that you'd end the story with that word grace, given the fact that our first guest this episode is the Reverend Barry Black, who is a practicing Seventh-day Adventist in the Christian tradition where grace features so prominently. As mentioned, Reverend Barry Black is the chaplain to the U.S. Senate, uh, and prior to him becoming the chaplain in 2003, uh, he served in the U.S. Navy for over 27 years, ending his distinguished career as the chief of Navy chaplains. We were very lucky, you might say, to get a chance to speak with him in his office in the Capitol building overlooking the National Mall, and we asked him at the outset to share with us some of the things that we might otherwise not know about him, some of the things that you don't necessarily read in his official biography. Here's what he had to say. Uh, One thing they should know is that I am a 
an avid jogger that I have jogged uh, probably four miles a day at least five days a week since 1970. So uh, it is something that I am passionate about. Uh, Secondly, people should know that I love to play the game of chess and have more than 100 chess books in my library. It is an addiction, but it has kept me out of a lot of trouble. Uh, Third thing people should know about me is I love Britannica's great books of the Western world. So I am fascinated by the author's represented in the great books, Epictetus, Aristotle, Plato, uh, Marcus Aurelius, William James. Uh, I, I find it fascinating to be able to enter the great conversation and to be informed by people who, who are dead. It was clear right away that the chaplain is well-read, well-spoken, and he's really thought some things through in his life. He opened us up for a very good conversation, and I didn't waste any time. I asked him, does he believe in luck? Well, I don't believe so much in luck as I do in providence. Um, There is a wonderful Bible verse in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God, and he will direct your path. So I believe that uh, God directs our path. The 37th Psalm says the steps of good people are ordered by the Lord. Uh, Someone once said that the harder I work, the luckier I get. So I believe that what we think of as luck has something to do with a vigorous work ethic. Uh, Proverbs 22, uh, 29 says, Uh, Show me a man diligent in his business. He will stand before kings and not ordinary people. So I believe uh, that the good things that have happened to me have happened more because of the unfolding of God's loving providence than luck. Uh, Once a poet, William Cullen Bryant, looked up and saw waterfowl migrating southward for the winter. And he penned a wonderful sonnet to a waterfowl, which ends, speaking of God, he said, He, God, who from zone to zone guides through the boundless skies their certain flight, in the long road that I must walk alone will lead my steps aright. So that's what I believe in. I believe that the God who causes waterfowl to migrate southward is the one who is guiding and directing my path. Since the chaplain doesn't believe in luck so much as providence, we asked him about the times when he felt God was working in his life for the good, or what some other folks might describe as good luck. God has been involved in my life uh, from its beginning. My mother gave my siblings and me our allowance based upon scriptural memorization, five cents a verse. When I was 13, I memorized one day Proverbs 1.10, which says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. That day, two guys from my neighborhood, I grew up in Cherry Hill in the public housing project of Baltimore, two guys from my neighborhood asked me to go along with them to quote-unquote get back at someone. Barry, we're trying to get back at someone. Will you go with us? And I thought about 
my son, if sinners entice you, don't consent. And on the strength of that verse, I didn't go along with them. Well, they didn't just get back at someone. They murdered someone. They ended up uh, in court. Uh, the, legisl- uh, the, the judicial process concluded with them both getting life in prison, even though one contended that he didn't do anything, but he was still an accessory after the fact. So had I gone along with them, I would have gotten the same penalty. So I think it was providential that that particular verse on that particular day enabled me to resist the peer pressure to go along with them. And uh, I've often said it's it's hard to become the only African-American admiral in the history of the Navy Chaplain Corps with murder on your resume. It's clear as day that the chaplain has a strong sense of faith in God and that that's what he believes guides his life. Uh, We also wanted to know about some points in his life where he didn't feel as fortunate or as lucky, if you will. Oh, there have been times when I felt down on my luck uh, and uh, and, uh, very pessimistic about the future. Three times before I was a teenager, my family was evicted from our home. So, I mean, I came home three times and found the furniture out on the street. Uh, And each time you were evicted, you were going to go down another level. (laughs) So when you saw the next place where you were going to stay, it was pathetic, you know. Um, It was one level lower. So that does not exactly make for optimism. When I was eight years of age, I came home and saw my father pointing a loaded gun at my mother. Um, That, again, does not exactly uh, engender uh, a kumbaya moment. So uh, there have been some negative experiences in my life, particularly during the season of evictions, where we had to find uh, any port in a storm, and so we ended up at a relative's home, sometimes sleeping four and five to a bed. Uh, so there, 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 there have been seasons of challenge and difficulty, but there's a wonderful psalm that says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, and that has been my experience as well. Listening to the chaplain's story, I was struck by how powerful a role God seems to play even in the moments when the chaplain, in his own words, felt down on his luck. And I was curious, given the amount of power and control that he attributes to God, what his role or his responsibility is as a human being. I think we have a responsibility to maximize our potential. In uh, the Analects of Confucius, Um, very early in the Analects, he said something that really influenced my life. He said, um, do not strive for greatness, strive rather to be worthy of greatness. Um, And so what what that said to me was that my role is not to worry about the things I can't control. I can't control whether I'll be promoted. I can't control what someone may think about me. I can't control, uh, to a large extent, uh, how I look, my ethnicity, the accident of geography that accompanied my birth. Uh, The reality is uh, 
um, I am Christian because I was born in America. If I had been born in Saudi Arabia, I would be saying Allah instead of Jesus. Um, so there are things that I cannot control. Uh, but in my um, quest to maximize my potential, I made a commitment to be worthy, whether selected or not, to be worthy of that kind of selection. And so in the military, which is, I believe, a meritocracy, um, I wanted the best record possible. So in my 27 years in the Navy, I never scored less than an outstanding on a physical readiness test. I took a lot of work, a lot of pumping iron because I'm not naturally strong upper body, uh, running every day to ensure that anyone who looked at my record would say, oh my goodness, this guy has never scored less than an outstanding. I went to school in my spare time and ended up with three master's degrees and two doctorates because I wanted an academic record that would not be surpassed by anyone else uh, th that they were looking at. So when I was selected as admiral in 1997, I was competing against 165 other Navy captains. So I ended up being one out of 166 uh, people. So uh, it, that is my part, is to deserve it, to work in a way where whether it comes or not, that's, that's, whether it comes or not is not important. Ownership is an illusion anyhow. But I need to be, I need to be worthy of it, and I need to embrace what Robert Louis Stevenson once said, to travel hopefully is better than arriving. Uh, too many of us are so focused on the destination that we don't enjoy the journey. We pass by signs saying scenic view because we're wondering, are we there yet? And I think when you focus on being worthy of honor, being worthy of greatness, that you will do your part and let Providence take care of the rest. So I'm telling y'all, it was really powerful to hear the chaplain speak these words to us especially as we sat there in the U.S. Capitol. I mean, it's home to some of the most influential people uh, in this country. And so as I'm sitting there, I wondered and asked, how does Providence play out in this place of such gridlock and disagreement over politics? God has used my background as a Navy chaplain to make an impact on our lawmakers uh, and to influence and at times, the legislative process during the federal shutdown, when there was a delay of death benefits to the families of the fallen, uh, I offered this prayer, uh, Lord, when death benefits are delayed to the families of our sons and daughters dying on distant battlefields, it is time for our lawmakers to say enough is enough. Cover our shame with the robe of your righteousness. Forgive us, reform us, and make us whole. I prayed that prayer, and that day uh, a bill was passed in House and Senate that reversed the delay of death benefits. So that's an example where the fact that I was a Navy chaplain for 27 years and had delivered scores of death notifications to next of kin. It provided me with the gravitas 
and what Aristotle would call the ethos, to give a prayer that was sufficiently persuasive that a stalemate was broken that particular day. That's one example of how God can use your personal history and the opportunities he makes available to you to make a difference in your generation. I asked the chaplain whether there was a question he wanted to leave us with. How has God blessed my life? And I think that that's an important question to ask because when we, be, we, when we begin to count our blessings, uh, we see uh, how little we actually have to complain about. Uh, one of the great blessings of my life was to grow up in abject poverty. Uh, it's a blessing, first of all, because it enables me to connect with people at that level uh, without an accent. Uh, it's a blessing, secondly, because there's very little anyone can do to me to intimidate me. You know, when you've been lower than a footprint, it's very difficult for somebody to threaten you. You're going to deduct my salary by 10%, please. Give me a break. I mean, I, I know what it is to have mayonnaise sandwiches. I know what it is to think that ketchup is sauce for spaghetti. So how are you going to intimidate me or threaten me? So when you ask, how has God blessed me? It forces you to remember how far he has brought you. And if you remember how far he has brought you, you can say with the gospel singer James Cleveland, I don't believe he's brought me this far to leave me. All right, folks. So I just wanted to take a second to tell you that if you have thoughts about this episode, I want you to come check out the sanctuaries. We've got a community of creative people just like you who are coming together to share inspiration and collaborate on a variety of artistic projects. Plus, I'd really like to meet you. Now you can get connected at thesanctuaries.org or find us on Facebook. But don't stop listening because we've got another great guest that you won't want to miss. Our second guest this episode is Neha Misra. She is a poet, a folk artist, and a social innovator. And to kick off our conversation, I invited her to share with us something that we otherwise might not know that was nevertheless really important to understanding who she is. Here's what she said. My two most favorite words in the universe are, um, first, of, uh, first of them is love, uh, which uh, I hope as I look back at my life uh, when I'm on my deathbed I hope that is the mean uh, that will be the meaning of my existence uh, and uh, love is uh, also the meaning of my name uh, Neha in uh, Sanskrit which is an ancient uh, Indian language uh, and my second uh, absolute uh, favorite uh, word is serendipity you know, serendipity quite literally means the faculty of making fortunate discoveries by accident. The root of the word uh, comes from a Persian fairy tale, um, the three princes of Serendip, where these princes are always making discoveries by accidents of things that they were not in the quest of originally. And uh, I uh, often wonder if uh, serendipity is my favorite word because awesome accidental things keep happening or is it the other way around? Do, 
awesome accidental things keep happening because serendipity is my favorite word. So you see, I think the line between cause and effect is really blurred. But uh, that's what serendipity is, luck, uh, which is what we are here to talk about. So I feel all the more lucky uh, that you chose me to talk about uh, luck today. We're really glad to have Neha on the show, especially given the fact that serendipity is such an important concept in her life. So I asked her about a time that she felt lucky and how that event played out. In uh, the October of uh, 2012, I was to leave to Africa for an year-long assignment for my social enterprise, which does work uh, with uh, women in rural communities, uh, bringing uh, solar light uh, to them uh, since they do not have electricity in this day and age. So I was uh, preparing to head for my assignment but uh, there was much dilemma because this was also the time when if you'd recall hurricane uh, sandy was going to hit the east coast and we were busy um, preparing with, uh, for emergency supplies in our uh, house and i was not sure if my flight would take off um, you know whether i should call friends and family that I'm going now or I should not. Um, so uh, th there was this cloud of uncertainty around the uh, trip. So what started with this big sense of purpose, you know, this big trip, uh, uh, what a lucky opportunity to realize that sense of purpose. But then with bad weather, I was not sure if it's going to happen or uh, not. Um, thankfully, although Hurricane Sandy uh, was devastating for many parts of the country, we were not as badly hit in the D.C. area. So I got a message from uh, my flight uh, about a day or so before I was uh, scheduled to fly that uh, uh, indeed I was going to fly and everything was uh, as planned. So so I was happy and in the last minute frenzy I packed up uh, all my things uh, but I still did not get a chance to say bye to everybody just because of the lack of uh, time. So we headed to the airport and uh, as we are uh, going to the airport and I'm feeling really lucky at, at this point that everything is uh, going as planned, uh, just before uh, the airport exit, uh, our car um, ran into an 18-wheeler and uh, this has never happened before. This is uh, the first car accident I had ever been in my life and it was uh, just it happened so fast. My husband uh, was driving and he is uh, one of the most uh, safest drivers I, I know in the universe. But it happened and uh, again thankfully speeds were not that high because we were near the exit so we were not hit from behind. If uh, we had it could have been terminal but uh, at the same time since we did run into an 18-wheeler the front of our car got crushed like a tissue paper and uh, because of the impact uh, both my husband and I uh, were injured um, one would say bad luck uh, but I would say good luck because again it was uh, not terminal it could have been far far worse Listening to Neha tell that story, I couldn't help but notice 
the way in which luck has a lot to do with the perspective that you're bringing to it, the angle that you see any given situation from, which in turn can transform it into either good luck or bad luck. Neha brought with her a poem that she wrote that delves into this topic in a deeper and artistic way. Why me? You asked why me when there was heartache. You asked why me when there was loss. You asked why me when you saw your best friend with what you don't have. But you never asked why me when life chose you when millions perish before completing their first day on earth. You never asked why me when you grew up with a family, however dysfunctional, as there are millions orphaned who wish they had a father or a mother to blame. You never asked why me when you have what you have, which if you'd open your heart you'd see is your beautiful spirit which can churn hope from despair. Having and not having go together. There is no day without the night. Focus on what you have and what you can do with that gift for a life beyond yourself while tending to your own soul too. So ask, why not me? So you see, that really is the heart of uh, what my spiritual belief is to focus on gratitude um, because uh, when you focus on gratitude that comes from abundance and when your life has abundance that becomes luck suddenly you are a lucky person with that statement she set us up for the question that we really wanted to ask her which was what is luck you know i think that luck is something which is already there we just have to see it in uh, neuroscience they call it cognitive flexibility and uh, the good news is that it is something that can be cultivated so i think that in our world our work more than anything is on ourselves i read about an experiment by richard weisman the author of uh, this book called the luck factor he did a 10-year scientific study into the nature of luck that has revealed that to a large extent people make their own good and bad fortune. In one of the experiments which particularly spoke to me, uh, he um, placed some chance opportunities, the same chance opportunities, uh, one, money on the ground and uh, a potential encounter with a connected businessman in the paths of two different people. So uh, same chances, two very different people. One, uh, a woman who claimed she was a very unlucky person and another was this guy who said that things always worked out for him somehow. And what happened was um, that the lucky guy immediately noticed the money on the ground. And then uh, he struck up a conversation with the businessman when he was in the coffee shop where um, the, this businessman had been planted. The unlucky woman actually stepped right over the cash, never noticed it. And uh, she sipped her coffee uh, later without saying a word to the businessman. So... 
the guy ended up with money and a new opportunity while uh, the woman did not and uh, in some way one can say how it is a self-fulfilling prophecy that the guy was indeed lucky and the woman as she said was unlucky uh, you know so and I think that is absolutely fascinating and personally it speaks to me because I have made some of my closest friendships because I spoke to a stranger because I took a chance and I think we should take more chances. As a way of bringing our conversation to a close, I asked Neha whether she had any parting wisdom for us. Embrace that grand orchestra of life with both the high notes and the low notes. There are, um, there are and there won't be any uh, great compositions without uh, you know, taking the low notes out of music. It's all part of a package. Uh, it comes together. So uh, I would say uh, on, on, on that note, let's, let's create our luck uh, together and individually. It's always a pleasure to talk to different people. And again, I want to thank the guests that came on our show this episode. And this issue of luck, uh, has been very interesting to talk about. And just like every other topic, our guests have left us with more to think about. Uh, what do you think about it, Rev? Well, it seems that luck is a lot trickier than we often make it out to be. We might say in our everyday lives that we're lucky or unlucky. We kind of use it shorthand for something that we can't fully understand. But when you actually stop to think about it, when you pick luck up and look at it from a variety of different perspectives, it becomes obvious that there's more to it than meets the eye. So what is luck exactly? Is it, as the chaplain seemed to suggest, the workings of providence, the movement of God in our midst? Or is it, as Neha seemed to suggest, the perspective that we bring to any given situation, the degree to which we're able to look at something and either see abundance or see lack. What is luck? And perhaps even more importantly, the question becomes, what difference does it make if we believe in luck? If we believe in luck, are we more or less likely to take personal responsibility? Are we more or less likely to give it our best? Are we more or less likely to find hope in the midst of despair, to push through the challenges, the trials, and tribulations in our lives versus just giving up? What do you think? Does luck exist? Should luck exist? Solidarity is created by the sanctuary a diverse arts community with soul, located in Washington, D.C. If you live in our nation's capital, or if you're traveling to the area, come join us and meet some of the people behind the voices you hear. You can find all of our upcoming events as well as information about getting involved in our community on our website at thesanctuaries.org.